How much time to go live? <laughs> 28 parts. Cheers, I can't. <laughs> Good morning, welcome uh, Ealing Church, Newbush, uh, both in the building and uh, those online, uh, particularly uh, Barry, who's uh, uh, isolating because he gets to see his mum, which we're quite excited about. Um, if you uh, bow your heads, I'll open in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, for the opportunity to meet together. Lord God, I thank you that we can be together uh, both in person and online. And Lord God, I pray as we come to focus our minds on you, to hear from you, as we come to uh, glorify you, Lord God, I pray that you would meet with us, meet with us in our homes, meet with us in our seats. Lord God, meet with us with, despite all the restraints that are upon us uh, uh, due to the pandemic. Uh, Lord God, we uh, love you and we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, obviously Barry is by far the better introducer and I'm sorry you're stuck uh, with me. Um, but I try and do something different when I get this opportunity. So uh, uh, last week we got to read out a Maasai Creed. Uh, which talked about Jesus going on safari, um, and I had some good feedback from that. So, emboldened by that, I'm going to read you some of the uh, things from the Desert Fathers. So, these are guys in about the uh, third century who decided they want to get really close with God. And what they did is they uh, they went into the desert uh, and to try and sort of. Uh, 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 put aside the busyness of life and focus on him. And I just want to read you two small excerpts um, and then we will go through uh, the Lord's Prayer together. It says this, a, her a hermit was asked by a brother, how do I find God? With fasts or labour or vigils? 
mercy. He replied, you will find him in all of those and also in discretion. I tell you, many have been stern with their bodies, but have gained nothing by it because they did it without discretion or wisdom. And I really like this. Even if our mouths stink from fasting, we have, and we have learned all the scriptures and memorised all of the psalms, we may still lack what God wants, humility and love. And uh, perhaps with a, uh, an eye on this series we've been doing uh, about spiritual warfare, um, it says this, um, the brothers asked Agatha, Father, which virtue in our way of life needs most effort to acquire? He said to them, I may be wrong, but I think nothing needs so much effort as prayer to God. If anyone wants to pray, the demons try to interrupt the prayer, for they know that prayer is the only thing that hinders them. All the other efforts in religious life, whether they are made vehemently or gently, have a room for a measure of rest. But we need to pray till our dying breath. That is the great struggle. And with that in mind, it would be good if we could stand at home and in the building, and we're going to go through the Lord's Prayer, hopefully. Even... Even my kids know this one. Sorry if you're online, I'm dashing backwards and forwards. Trying to restrict how many people touch things. So, uh, hopefully, those at the back, you're at the back because you know this off by heart and you don't need prompts. And those at the front, uh, where you can see the uh, direct version we're going through. So, uh, if we pray together Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Excellent. Please be seated. Uh, very good. Excellent. And uh, it's good to hear my kids say the version that we've learned that talks about the evil one uh, as well. A um, couple of notices. Uh, we've been able to be a bit generous this Christmas. We're not spending loads and loads of money on food, so we've been able to be generous. Uh, the nursery, um, I've got a brand new giant caterpillar in the back that takes pride of place in the uh, back there. Uh, we were able to fund that. Uh, if you're on Facebook, desire to dance and put a nice little note of thanks because we bought them uh, some sort of dance mats. I'm not quite sure what they are, but they're very important if you're a dancer. Uh, uh, so that, that's been really good. Um, and there's been people participating in Love Your Neighbour and other stuff uh, uh, which we're hoping to get sort of uh, more involved with. Um, where are we? Here. So, um, this is kind of tentative revelation of what we're doing at Christmas. It's kind of, plans have already changed a couple of times. 
uh, uh, but this is the idea. So, um, we're going to have Christmas, it's not cancelled. <laughs> Um, next Sunday, there won't be a morning meeting in here. Next Sunday, the children at 10.30 will be hopefully making gingerbread people together. Ooh. I don't know whether they have to be gender neutral or whatever, uh, but they're <laughs> making gingerbread characters. Uh, we've got video, we hope to deliver the ingredients. Um, so that they can all come online, make a mess of your laptop, and and uh, and uh, we'll uh, in, enjoy that together. Does that sound good, my kids? Yeah. Excellent. My eldest kid is now too cool to uh, shout yes. Lots <laughs> <laughs> of so we've already got there. Excellent. So we've got the kids bank off there, and there'll be prizes. Then at five o'clock in the evening, uh, we're coming here for a quiz. Um, it's a little bit difficult with COVID restrictions. Um, there might be multiple choice, it might just be hand raising. I'm going to kind of figure it out. Uh, but it'll be good, it'll be multimedia, it'll be fun, and it will be, uh, there'll be prizes and stuff. So, five o'clock uh, next Sunday here, we're going to have a quiz and uh, we're going to have a, hopefully sort of some decorations up as well. A week later, on the 20th December, we did have one plan, and now we've changed it with another plan, but that plan may revert back to the original one, depending <laughs> on the weather and other things. But we hope to have carols where everyone sings outside. It looks like Elam have given it their thumbs up, our local regional leader have given it thumbs up, an incredibly fastidious uh, risk assessor has given us the thumbs up. So we're going to try uh, in the car park. So you leave your cars at home, unless you have to travel really far, and then um, you just don't tell us where you parked it. Um, but we'll, we'll go in the car park and we're going to come together and sing some carols, uh, one way or another. And it'll be, uh, so you'll have to dress up warm, uh, and it'll probably be about a, a sort of 45 minute service. So it'll be quite short, but it'll be at least a chance to uh, sing some carols together. So hopefully you're up for that. People I've talked to would much rather do that uh, than just sit and listen to someone else because they're, it's, it's good to participate. Uh, and then on 25th of December, it's going to be a Christmas Day meeting on here. I haven't really thought about it, but I'd imagine it will be a uh, sort of short talk um, and uh, a few carols and stuff where it's, it's a bit like today. Um, and that will be at 9 o'clock. Hopefully you get it. If you don't understand what I've said, go on our website, elinbubrush.org. The leaflet is on there and it's on Facebook. Uh, feel free to share it. Um, all you Twitter fiends and whatever else are out there. Uh, uh, so hopefully that's there. Um, hopefully you all understand that. And now we're going to go to a moment of sacred... Uh, sort of reflection. We're going to go into a moment of communion. Uh, hopefully you were handed when you came in the uh, ingenious little cup with the bread that's impossible to separate from the grape juice. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to introduce, allow Bianca to come forward. She's going to bring us through some thoughts and I just encourage you to allow her to uh, encourage, uh, to allow this moment to be sacred and holy as together we remember what Jesus has done on the cross.
Thank you very much. Feel free to clap. So maybe we can't all sing together, but we can all express our worship in other ways. So raise hands. Find other ways. Be inventive. <laughs> don't, don't be restrained by, by just thinking that you have to sing to praise, but there are other ways. But yeah, feel free to clap along.
you know the suffering of this world, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that we don't need to be afraid. Mm. Because you paid the price on the cross, Lord God. You made the way for salvation. Mm. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you that we don't need to be afraid, Lord God. We just need to set our eyes on you. Yes. Lord, put our trust in you. Mm. For our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Jesus, glory to your name. Lord, I pray as we approach this Christmas season, Lord God, that you would be glorified, Lord God, that our eyes would be lifted to you, that we would lift our eyes from things around us, Lord God, and that we would set our gaze to you, that we would see our hope is in you, Lord God. Thank you.
we're just standing on of what you've done. Wonderful Savior. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus. Son of God, Son of Man. You were there before the world began. You know as intimately. Heavenly Father, I praise the Lord. You are with us from beginning to end. You'll never leave us. You're strong, powerful. You take on the army of, our, of everybody. You protect us no matter what. You forgive our sins and we are so grateful, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Father. We yes, praise you, praise you. We love you, Father. So We're so grateful, Father. And praise you for opening up the church again. We're so grateful, Father. Praise you, Lord.
Amen. Thank you everyone that's uh, turned up and uh, it's good to see a lot of you are quite good at worshipping even if you can't use your voices. I felt as sort I of looked around and I was like, you know, I can see uh, uh, people getting into it uh, even though they can't uh, uh, sing um, and uh, just really appreciate, you know, sort of people doing their best to circumstances. It is difficult doing church during the pandemic. We've uh, uh, had to change a lot of things. And I just thank you for your patience and uh, uh, getting involved as well. Um, so that's good. Um, just to help you over this period, we've got a new reading plan. Uh, so we've done quite a few just because uh, it's just something easy for, uh, uh, for, for us to provide. Um, it just li lists uh, 31 days uh, of readings for December, sort of gives you various prophecies about Jesus and then the infancy narratives and various other things. So let me encourage you, if you aren't doing a Bible reading, uh, get involved in that and allow Jesus to speak to you. Um, so there's some uh, uh, copies at the back and uh, there's something on our website that you can download. Um, and I think it may also be on our Facebook page as well. I haven't got an X on the floor where I should stand, so I'm hoping that the, uh, uh, the uh, people on film can see me. Um, so, let me uh, pray and then we'll uh, get on with it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us. We thank you that you speak yeah. to us um, during that communion time. We thank you that we praise you and listen to you during worship. And Lord God, as we look at your word, God, we ask again, speak to us. Lord, we want to hear what you have to say. There are so many voices in this world. And uh, Lord God, the only one that is true and wise and helpful is you. Lord God, I, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, uh, you may have noticed in the next few weeks, uh, like generations of believers before us, we'll be celebrating the arrival of God incarnate, when God took on flesh and lived amongst us. And it's a truly remarkable moment. You know, that God the Son, this uh, perfect likeness of the Father, who lived for eternity, he came into creation. The one who made creation became part of it and he took on flesh and bones and he lived perfectly uh, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a moment that rightly takes its place in our calendar as something to uh, make a big deal of. Uh, nothing has ever happened like it before and nothing will ever happen like it. It's a singular moment in history. And so it's okay to make a big deal. I am a little bit reserved sometimes when it comes to some of the uh, Western traditions that seem like they've got out of hand. But it is good to celebrate the arrival of Jesus. And uh, if we don't know the exact date, then 25th of December is as likely as any. And it's good to uh, uh, come together and remember that. Um, it's interesting to, uh, only two of the Gospels tell us of Jesus' um, uh, uh, arrival, and uh, then we don't hear anything of his life either. Uh, we hear very little of his upbringing. It seems that he was an asylum seeker in Egypt for a time with his parents, um, and then there is this brief moment when he's 12, when he's in the temple, um, and he amazes 
the scholars with his uh, knowledge um, of scripture. Um, but that's it. We don't hear Jesus as a boy uh, uh, stories much. And the story resumes when he's around 30. In fact, uh, Mark and John start there. They think that's the best place to start. And before the Nazarene does anything miraculous or big, this he goes to this guy who's kind of on the edges of society. He is kind of a preacher that is very popular, but the people that are in charge don't like what he has to say because he calls them things like snakes. Um, and so Jesus goes out to this guy and he gets baptised in water. They get this uh, full immersion of Jesus uh, in the river. And there's this beautiful moment where the Trinity is revealed. We have the voice of the Father say, you know what, I love this guy. And you have Jesus, and you have Jesus uh, who's in the water, and then you have the Holy Spirit uh, descend like a dove. You have this revelation of the triune nature of God. And uh, it's uh, a statement that Jesus is going to do something incredible and that you should pay attention to him. And everyone here this morning has taken that uh, seriously and sort of uh, uh, joined in. And then, after this moment of commissioning, after Jesus is recognised by his Father, after the Spirit descends on him, you're like, okay, we can expect a miracle. We can expect something uh, astounding to happen. I'm expecting crowds of people, I'm expecting legs growing back, eyes opening, I'm expecting the outsiders to be included and the poor to be made rich and all the things uh, uh, that the Messiah was expected to do. And what happens? Let me read you what happens. If you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 4. And if you've been paying attention, we've been doing a series on uh, spiritual warfare, which sounds very grand and slightly kooky, but uh, is very important to uh, take on board. And this should bring alarm bells with you. It says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Thanks, Holy Spirit. Great one. That's exactly what I want after this wonderful moment of commissioning into the desert and meet the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, it's quite a long time. I don't know if you've ever fasted. That's a long time. He was hungry. Understatement of the moment. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. And he said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up you in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. If you're a flat earther, that's a great text, isn't it? Jesus saw everything. Um, but that's not the point. Uh, again, uh, and so he took him and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. All this I will give you if you will just bow down to me. And Jesus said to me, to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels attended him. 
So Jesus has this wonderful moment in the river where the father just goes, you're the man. And he's led then by the spirit into the wilderness. And it's kind of like a mirroring of when Israel went into the desert for 40 years and uh, they got lost and they were dis disobedient uh, and they did their own thing. And Jesus kind of does the same thing, but he does it perfectly. He does it wisely. He does it without sin. It's a test of his character and he comes up trumped. He gets 10 out of 10. He gets an A star plus plus. And we find in this moment that the Son of God gets caught up in a spiritual battle. The same sort of spiritual battles that we have been looking at for Ephesians 6. And the devil is devious, and the devil is subtle, and the devil uh, uh, does this thing with Jesus where he tries to trip him up. And the first temptation is to, Jesus, duck out of this test early, you know, you've done so well. Have some bread now. And Jesus goes, no, now's not the time. You're, you're, you're trying to do things too quickly. And then he says, you know what? Reveal yourself as the Messiah now. Let's see who you are. And Jesus says, no, again, now's not the time. It's God's timing. God knows what's best for me. My Father has my best interests at heart. He has his plan of salvation. And I will follow him. And then there's this uh, last temptation where the devil goes, you know, just... just uh, forget about this Messiah nonsense. Come and pay homage to me and you will be Lord of everything. And there's this just appeal to Jesus' vanity. There is this uh, hope to just completely circumvent all the pain that Jesus will have to go through. And um, we shouldn't be surprised at all by Jesus' reply. We have been looking at the armour of God and how to fight spiritual battles. And so we should expect how Jesus' response. We should be able to nod sagely and wisely, yeah, I know, that's how the devil operates. He appeals to my pride. He tries to undercut God. He tries to uh, short-circuit God's plan. He does all these things to subtly change what God has said. And he invites us with lies, he invites us with misdirection, he confuses our minds, he offers us comfort instead of hunger, he offers us pleasure instead of being in the desert uh, hungry, he, he appeals to our pride. And all these things the devil does to try and get us to circumvent God's plans for our lives. And we find that Jesus is well acquainted uh, with what the devil's schemes are, but he's also happily very knowledgeable about scripture. And he just uses a couple of verses just to knock back what the devil has to say. And we find that he has this profound faith in his unseen heavenly father. He has this profound, deep, clear faith that the devil can't knock off. And it's uh, really quite inspiring or it should be, to us. And so as Jesus demonstrates how to enjoy spiritual armour for the spiritual battles ahead, we should be eager once again to look into these texts and look again at what it means to be prepared for spiritual battles because we are all going through them. Uh, we're all going through them in our daily lives. It's not just one-off moments. 
is a constant barrage, as we've learned up to this point. If you've got a Bible, turn to Ephesians 6. If you are uh, of a military persuasion, you uh, uh, might turn to this more than others, but uh, it is a, a great uh, series of verses. And it says this in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. But our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a lot of opposition. You need to hear again the uh, forces mounted against you. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may also be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist. I feel I'm going to break into that Hillsong kids song in a moment. Uh, the arm of God. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. We looked at that last week. And then verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. After being encouraged to brandish that shield of faith, Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation. Uh, in sort of the first century, it looks like this is the sort of helmet worn by uh, Roman soldiers, and so this is the sort of thing uh, that Paul has in mind when he's saying, put on the helmet of salvation. And you might say, well, what use is a helmet? I have got this great passage. I've read it a few times this morning, actually. Um, it's, uh, you don't hear enough of this in uh, sermons, I don't think. Um, so this is a first century account of warfare. Um, so it's an account of the Romans uh, assaulting Jerusalem and I mean eventually uh, they will lay waste to it and Jesus' prophecy about uh, the um, desolation of the city will come true. And it says this, But there was one Julian, a centurion that came from Bithynia, a man who was of great reputation, whom I had formerly seen in that war, and one of the highest faith both for his skill in war, his strength in body, and the courage of his soul. This man, seeing the Romans giving ground, the Jews were winning, um, and in sad condition, for he stood by Titus at the Tower of Antonia, uh, leaped out, and of himself alone put the Jews to flight when they were already conquerors. And he made them retire as far as the corner of the inner court of the temple. So he had this guy, Julian, single-handedly, force back the Jews who were fighting the Romans. Uh, from him, the multitude fled away in crowds, as supposing that neither his strength nor his violent attacks could be those of a mere man. Accordingly, he rushed through the midst of the Jews as they were dispersed everywhere and killed those that he caught. Nor indeed was there any sight that appeared more wonderful in the eyes of Caesar or more terrible to others than this. This is a proper soldier. However, he was himself pursued by fate, 
which is it, which it, it was not possible that he who was but a mortal man should escape. Um, and you might recognise this bit if you can follow in the description of the armour. For he had shoes all full of thick and sharp nails. You know, it was good for uh, fighting uh, in sort of on earth and in normal landscapes, but um, it wasn't so good on the rocks. Um, so he had these shoes, as had every one of the soldiers. So when he ran on the pavement of the temple, he slipped and fell down upon his back with a very great noise. Why? It was made by the armour. That was the significance and importance and just the heaviness of these things that these soldiers put on. This made those that were running away to turn back. Whereupon those Romans that were in the Tower of Antonio set up a great shout as they were in fear for the man. But the Jews got about him in crowds and stuck at him with their spears and with their swords on all sides. Now he received a great many of the strokes of these iron weapons upon his shield. The shield protects him. And often attempted to get up again, but he was thrown down by those that stuck at him. Yet did he, as he lay alone, stab many of them with his sword. Nor was he soon killed, as being covered with his helmet and his breastplate in all those parts of his body where he might be mortally wounded. And he had this first century description of a soldier fighting with the armour and how important it was to keep legions of assailants at bay. And I read this account for two reasons. The first is you need to hear the savagery of war. There are no rules. It is brutal. It is unromantic. It is chaotic. When warfare happens, all hell breaks loose. And it is not something that is civilly done. Wars don't respect heroes. Wars end with bloody bodies with traumatised combatants. It is a nasty affair. People who romance war are doing no one any favours. It is a horrible, horrible thing. And Paul uses this language very carefully when he says, we are in spiritual warfare. When you are attacked, when the devil tempts you, when the demons try and take you off course, there are no rules. They don't think, oh, you know what, Edward's a little tired, we're going to just keep back a bit. <laughs> they don't say, oh, you know, Pete's hurt himself, we're just going to lay off. You know what, we know Kim's had a hard day, we're just going to let her have a nice evening. Warfare, in the spiritual sense, doesn't work like that. It is perpetual, and they look for weaknesses. They wait for moments when you are down to kick you in the ribs. Our heroes in the faith, you will find, make bad decisions. And they become casualties of war, and they get uh, and they get taken out. And it's interesting; it's often the incompetent and undisciplined Christian who the devil doesn't really care about so much, and they escape, escape without a scratch. <coughs> the lazy Christians at the back of the fight 
who would really rather do something else go untouched. But the Christians that are fighting the war, that are really engaged, that want to see Christ elevated, that want to see their own lives match his, they're the ones that get attacked. And we need to remember this and keep this in mind when we face spiritual warfare. Being a disciple is not a self-improvement plan. You don't get to choose the moments when you are good. You don't go, oh, I've got a Saturday afternoon off. I might try and be kind to someone. That's not spiritual warfare. That's not uh, anything to do with being a disciple. Blows come when you are busy, when you haven't got time for them, where you are not looking and they clunk you on the back of the head. They are aimed at where you are least guarded, where you are most vulnerable. That is the nature of warfare, and that is what Paul tries to employ here. He's saying it's warfare. It's not a polite game of fencing. It's not a gentleman rules duel. It is bloody and nasty and noisy and chaotic. And so it's when our kids kick off, and our heads are full of all the things that we need to do. How are we going to deal with that? That's when you're dealing with spiritual battles. When your boss is outrageous and asks stuff that they should never uh, be saying. It's how we deal with sickness. When we're in pain. It is when we face unexpected costs. How are we going to fight that spiritual battle? What about unreasonable believers? I know we don't have any here, but in other churches probably there is. You know, people that don't play by the rules in church who do stuff that seems wrong. These are spiritual battles that we have an occasion to become more disciple-like or less disciple-like. And new temptations that come and take the rug from under our feet. So, spiritual warfare is warfare. There aren't any rules. The devil doesn't give you a moment off because you've had a hard day. So be prepared. Secondly, we hear in this episode of uh, this Roman centurion that even when he was down, even when he'd slipped over and he's languishing on the cobblestones, even as his enemies far outnumbered him, even as he was cut off from his alloy, allies, do you know what? His armour protected him. His shield, his breastplate, his helmet. They staved off the uh, venomous thrusts. And when Paul says the helmet, he says this helmet of salvation. And it's not just the one of salvation that Jesus wins. It's this one of ongoing daily divine deliverance. If you've got a Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Says this. Philippians chapter 2, verse uh, 9. Therefore, I'd just like to read this bit, it's just a hymn to Jesus. 
and uh, it doesn't really have any relevance to the uh, sermon, but I can't help it. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, and that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It just makes Amen. my heart well up. Amen. It's very hard not to shout out hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not, obviously, for COVID reasons. Um, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfil his good purposes. And we have this moment where Paul says to the uh, Philippians, your salvation, Jesus finished it, but you are living it out. You are working it out. You are making sure it is realised in your skin and bones and in your daily uh, uh, lifestyles. And this is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. He's saying this helmet of salvation is its ongoing moments of salvation that are worked out in your daily lives. Yes, we have been saved. But Jesus will continually save you as well. He will continually look out for you. So there is this invitation to constantly draw near him and allow that daily divine deliverance to safeguard you. If you are distanced from Jesus, you won't see that daily deliverance. But when you cleave to him, those spears may come, but they will brush off. And the blows may rain down, even after you've slipped over, but that helmet of salvation will keep your noggin safe. Really wanted to visit a fancy dress shop and come on the last day of the series as a, as a Roman soldier. Uh, but um, uh, at, the, uh, at the start of this mini-series, we learn that Jesus won the victory. So when Paul says, Stand, he means stand. He doesn't say go off and fight battles. He says, Stand, Jesus is already on the battle. You are standing where he has already won. And we're to rest on that. Um, and so uh, that's why there's no talk of advancing and going off. Now, when Paul introduces the sword, some of us get very excited. Small boys at the opportunity of a sword to whip round, they're like, Yeah, I can go and attack all sorts of people with that. But the principle still remains the same, that it is one of standing rather than going forward. And um, so Paul brings the sword in to play at the last of all these descriptions of armour. And uh, it's still in the place where we are standing on what Christ has done rather than doing something new ourselves. Because of course we can't do anything new. Jesus has done everything. And so the sword of the Spirit is about uh, sort of fending off these personal assaults of the evil one. Now the Spirit isn't the sword, the Spirit uh, uh, brings the sword forth. The, you don't get to wield the Holy Spirit like some sort of machete. The, uh, the Spirit uh, uh, brings forth this, this uh, sort of spiritual sword that we get to use. And this Holy Spirit, this holy breath of God, declares the word of God. And that, the word of God, is the pointy, sharp thing we get to wave in the air when attacked. 
If you get, uh, if you look in your Bibles, Romans chapter 10. So we're coming to it in now. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Enjoy that. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and he richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one that they have not heard about? And how can they hear when someone without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The word of God brings salvation, brings you into God's kingdom. And it's something that you can use to see other people one for Christ as well. People don't get saved unless you talk about it. I was listening to uh, a very famous uh, preacher talk during the week. Um, I think I shared the, uh, the, the message. And he was saying, you know what? People don't have the same communal ties they used to. When you ask them to go to church, they'll just look at you blankly. More and more in this day and age, it is you who get to talk to people about Jesus. They won't come and hear Billy Graham or any other famous preacher. It is your life. It is your words. It is our message that gets heard. And that is not like some sort of fancy banner that we're waving around saying, vote for Jesus. It is a sword. And we need to hear in this a much more dynamic a much more successful instrument. The word of God that we use is a sword. And when we speak to other people, we can have in our mind something a lot more effective than just a little placard or a banner. Uh, have a look at Hebrews chapter 4. You can't really talk about the sword of the Spirit without reading this uh, last bit. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Says this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let, every, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. As you hear that, you really should get excited about the Word of God. As you hear that, you're like, you know what? It is effective. It does achieve. 
It does something that nothing else in all our experience will do. In spiritual battles, it is really easy to be deceived. It is easy to kid ourselves. It is easy to be uh, deluded about our motivations. I've known Christians who have fallen in spiritual battles because they are good at justifying everything they do wrong. Everything from adultery to laziness, from rebelliousness to apathy. All of these things they can say, oh, it's okay because. And they are deluded and they have fooled their own minds and their spirits. And they're losing their spiritual battles. They're not waving that pointy sword around. They're using arguments to themselves. And suddenly you think they have a point because they are so self-deluded. But when measured up to scripture, that's where we see how people are doing. That's when these deluded arguments fall apart. When we are challenged by divine insight from Scripture, these justifications disintegrate. When held up to the Gospel, your little argument of why you're allowed to sin is utterly destroyed. I want to end with just a little reading uh, from Charles Spurgeon, his ominous sword of the Spirit and an opposing prayer. Dear brothers and sisters, is it not a very high honour put upon you as soldiers of the cross that you should be allowed, nay commanded, to take the sword of the Spirit? The raw recruit is not just trusted with the general sword, but here you are, armed with the weapon of God, the Holy Ghost, and called upon to bear that sacred sword, which is gloriously well wielded by the Lord God himself. This we are to bear, and no other. Does the timid high inquire, wherewithal my, my master, shall I meet my adversaries? Here, says the Holy Ghost, take this. This is my sword. I have done great marvels with it. Take it and nothing shall stand against you. I really like this fact. Listen to this. When you remember the potency of this sword, when the Spirit tests it upon you, you may take it with confidence and use it in your holy war with full assurance. If the Word of God can convert you, it can convert anyone. If the word of God has brought you into the house of God this morning, it can do that for anyone. Fantastic. The word of God can convert you. It can convert anyone. There is no one that the, the, uh, the sword of the Spirit can't touch. If it could kill your despair, if it can remove another man's despondency, if it has conquered your pride and self-will, it can subdue the like in your children and your neighbours. Having done what it has certainly done for you, you may have full persuasion that before its power, no case is hopeless. No case is hopeless. Wherefore, see to it that you use from this day forth no other weapon than the Spirit 
of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Please stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you for opening our eyes to this spiritual battle. Some of us here this morning uh, may feel we're uh, under extreme fire even now, while others may feel like uh, um, there's a break in assaults. But Lord God, we know that every single person that loves you is under uh, attack by the enemy. And Lord God, we ask that you prepare us for those attacks, that we listen to your advice, and then we put on the armour of God. Lord God, you know these few weeks that we have gone through each and every piece and, and wondered at their protection they offer us. Lord God, I pray that we would equip ourselves so that when the devil comes, when his demons scheme, that we are fully prepared and able to extinguish those fiery arrows and they even see uh, uh, people uh, show the way of light. Uh, Lord God, I just pray this for us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.